Welcome to the City Collective Podcast. We believe we are better together and exist to create space for everyone to discover life in Jesus. We hope that you encounter the heart of God and are challenged and inspired in your relationship with Christ. If you want to make your way to your seat, I realized the timer was up. I don't even know how long I was standing there. But it's a good thing that we want to talk and be together. Uh, Again, as Pastor Jason said, my name is Ryan, and it's a joy uh, to be here again with you. Uh, It was a joy to be here last month uh, and to share on the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, We thought about that. And now a month later, I get to think about the gifts of the Spirit. So we thought about the singular, what is the gift of the Spirit, which is the Holy Spirit himself coming and dwelling in believers, living in and through us. And especially on a Sunday like Pentecost, when we think about uh, Pentecost, around the world, churches are celebrating uh, really the birth of the church. Uh, When the Holy Spirit, Jesus told his disciples to wait and you will receive power. And so they waited in an upper room. And then about 120 of them weighed and all of a sudden tongues, flames of fire rested on their head. There was a mighty rushing wind uh, that came in. Uh, And then incredible things happened as the Holy Spirit came, was poured into the church, and the church was birthed. That day, 3,000 were added uh, in a miraculous way. And so we're celebrating that today, that we still live in light of Pentecost. We are still that spirit-empowered people. That community of faith that is on a mission has a purpose to live for Jesus and we're not left to do it alone. So we're going to think today uh, about the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, And I'm looking forward to that one. I want to read just from um, uh, Acts chapter 14, uh, just uh, verse 1 to, uh, it might even be on there, perfect. I'm going to have to read it off of here, uh, off the screen there. But we're going to read from 1 to about 11. And we just want to read from the book of Acts. We're in a series, and I say we, I'm, I feel I can say we because I've <laughs> been a part and it's good to be here. Uh, a, a series on the Holy Spirit, looking at the book of Acts, discovering who the Holy Spirit is, how do we interact, what does the Holy Spirit want to do in our lives. And so we want to look at the book of Acts today and let it inspire us. Then what we're going to do to help us kind of understand and unpack this text and think about the gifts, we're going to look to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And so our hope this morning is is that we would be inspired, uh, that we would be made aware of and in a fresh way renewed in our understanding of the gifts that God has for you and for me. And so let's read this. Uh, uh, Acts chapter 14, starting in verse 1. At Iconium, Paul and Barnabas Barnabas went, as usual, into the Jewish synagogue. There they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. But the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the other Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there, speaking boldly for the Lord, who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling, someone say enabling, them to perform signs and wonders. The people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, others with the apostles. Uh, There was a plot afoot, that just sounds cool to say, among both Gentiles and Jews, together with their leaders, to mistreat them and stone them. 
but they found out about it and fled to uh, uh, Lyconian cities of Lystra and Derbe, uh, to the surrounding country, where they continued to preach the gospel. It continues. In Lystra, there sat a man who was lame. He had been that way from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed, and called out, Stand up on your feet! And at that, the man jumped up and began to walk. When the crowd saw that Paul had, what Paul had done, they shouted in Lyconian language, The gods have come down to us in human form. What happens in the next of the story is the crowd thinks that uh, uh, Paul and Barnabas are actual Greek gods that have come to heal. They tell them we're not Greek gods. It's a bit of a melee, uh, but we discover they, they have to move on. But we read this amazing portion of scripture in the book of Acts. We read about how God uses Paul and Barnabas. We see, hear about signs and wonders. We hear about faith and healing. And we think to ourselves, wow, that sounds exciting. But that's not what my faith experience looks like at all. And we wonder for a moment, is this just for them? Is this just for the apostles? Is it just for the first century believers to live this kind of Christian faith where the Spirit enables them to work in signs and wonders, to be able to encounter God and, and, and be used in these kind of ways. And as we think about spiritual gifts this morning, I want to encourage us is that it's not just for them. To give us this incredible idea from Scripture that these ideas of gifts of the Spirit, signs and healing that there are for today, that God has gifts for his people and so we want to think about spiritual gifts this morning and, and again that we read about that's so exciting and think about how that might look today. How do I walk in those kind of things that God would have for us? And that's why we're going to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and what we're going to walk through. But I was just preparing for today. I was thinking about home repair. If you're a homeowner, one of the things is that if your house breaks you got to fix it. You know, if you're a renter, if there's something wrong, you call the landlord and they fix it, right? But if you own your own home, it's, it's on you. Uh, and if you're like me, I don't have a whole lot of tools at home. I've got a, like a toolbox, but it's this random assortment of tools that I've either borrowed, stolen, or bought from the dollar store. Uh, sorry, Tim, if I've any, borrowed any of yours and haven't got them back. But if so, if there's something that's broken, I kind of make it work. I, you know, if I've, I can, there's times I've fixed things where I'm screwing with a regular screwdriver, really long screws, because I don't own a power drill. And so I'm trying to screw things in and it hurts my arm and it's ineffective and not the way uh, that you should really fix your house. Uh, I think it's been born in me uh, many years of being in youth ministry with no budget. I've just kind of learned to make it work. Um, uh, but so sometimes if you really want to do something effectively, something properly, you need the right tools. So what I would do is I would call up someone like my brother-in-law, Tim. Everyone say, hi, Tim. 
He's an introvert, so he's hating the fact that I'm mentioning his name right now and waving at him. But Tim not only is tall uh, and one of the nicest guys you meet, but he is also the handiest guy you'll ever meet. And he's got great tools. And so even today, this morning, I said, hey, Tim, can I borrow some of your tools? And so isn't that cool? Like, this is way better than me with my hand trying to screw in a long screw. There are other ways, better ways for us to do it to be more effective in what we could do. And if you haven't noticed, I'm not talking about home repair. What I'm thinking about is the church. What we're thinking about is building God's body, God's family, God's kingdom. And in order to do this, God doesn't want it to do us just to make do. The budget isn't small. We don't just kind of, kind of, you know, duct tape and bubble gum to make things work together in God's kingdom. God has given us power tools. He's enabled us to do his work, to build his kingdom in his ways that are available for you and me. And I'll be honest with you, I love power tools, especially if they run off of gasoline. That makes it even better. Lawn mowers, weed whackers, trimmers, if it runs off of gas, thank you. Uh, I think about uh, tool time with Tim Allen. I almost want to make that grunting noise. Um, some of you know what I'm talking about, others don't. But we want to think about this idea. Because I really believe that God wants all of us to use the power tools. That the power tools are available. There are gifts available for you to use. And sometimes when a pastor says you, what happens for some people, that you flies over your head. And you're like, well, he doesn't mean me. He means the people around me. No, you. That there are gifts that God has given for you to use that he will empower and enable you to use to build his kingdom. So we want to think about spiritual gifts today. So let's read our text. Our main thing, we, we, we've read in Acts these incredible stories, Paul, Barnabas, signs and wonders and healing and faith and him looking directly at somebody and what's going on. Could perhaps that be a taste of what it might look like for us to live as believers today? And I believe not only through practice, but mainly through the scripture, that that is a true reality for believers today, that we can walk in these gifts, that we've got the power tools available for us. So let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, uh, last week, Pastor Jason was preaching, and he was uh, preaching around uh, chapter 14, and which starts off with, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially to prophesy. So last week, Pastor Jason, great message. Uh, I listened to it. Uh, a great message on prophecy. And we want to think about more. Prophecy is one of the spiritual gifts. It's one of the power tools that's available. But we want to think about some of the other ones this morning. And so Paul, he's writing to the church in Corinth, the church that has some problems, uh, especially in their gathering. And so they, what's happened, people have written letters. He's heard reports that there is a, it's a bit of a mess in Corinth. And so in his letter, he's bringing correction to things like, uh, like to sex. He's bringing correction to what it's like when they get together and how do they do this well. And we're going to discover they've actually had a bit of a problem with the power tools. They've had a problem with the spiritual gifts. They have them. In the first chapter, it says they've got all of them. 
but we discover that they're not using them well. And so Paul is writing to teach them and instruct them in the spiritual gifts. And this letter is instructful for us today. Uh, I want to read for us actually, uh, the, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2, it says this. So the, this is from the ESV. Um, it says this, uh, to the church of God that it is in Corinth. So this letter for, is to the church in Corinth. Note, not the apostles in Corinth. Okay? It's to the church in Corinth. All the believers. To those sanctified in Jesus Christ, called to be saints, together with all those who in every place call upon them in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. This letter is, includes us. All of those everywhere who would call upon the name of the Lord. So if you're here this morning and you've loved Jesus, this is something that's for you as well. And so I'm really excited as we read this text, written to the Corinthian church, but speaks to us today. So again, it says, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters. I do, know, do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or another, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. I love that. Salvation is a work of the Holy Spirit. If you have been saved, if you have trusted in Jesus, it's as a result of the Holy Spirit working in you that you would come to a place of salvation. You already know the work of the Spirit if you've trusted Jesus. But there's more. And then in verse 4 it says, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, someone say everyone. Wow, everyone. It is the same God at work. We'll keep reading. Verse 7, now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another miraculous powers. To another prophecy. To another distinguishing between spirits. To another speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another the interpretation of tongues. Some of you just got uncomfortable because I talked about tongues. Uh, all, the, the, all these, all these, all these are the work of the one and the same Spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. We want to think about spiritual gifts this morning. And so, again, Paul's writing to them. He doesn't want them to be uninformed. Uh, the Corinthians, they needed to receive some instruction. They didn't need to be, they weren't uninformed in the sense that they didn't know about the gifts because they were already using the gifts. They certainly believed in them because they were practicing them. What they needed to be made aware of is how to use them well. And so Paul's going to instruct them, reminding that the key of spiritual gifts is that we walk in the way of love. We thought about that last week with prophecy. We, it, it always must be led by love. Paul's also going to teach them it must be done in order. And so he has some instructions for them of how to use the gifts. 
Um, and so he says he wants them to be, not be unaware because they've lived in their past unaware. In the text, it, it's, Paul says, uh, you were pagans somehow or another, influenced and led astray by mute idols. In their past, they were led by false beliefs, false religions. And they just kind of went with the flow and followed along with what everyone else was doing. One thing I love about the Christian faith, it, it is not intended that you would just kind of go with the flow. I come to church and my pastor tells me what to believe and so I believe it. And then I go, no. Paul wants you and these readers to be informed that we need to know this faith, that we, to be a disciple is to be a student. It's not a faith that we just say, yeah, my grandma believes, so I guess I'm a Christian and now I go with the flow. No, it's something that we pursue ourselves. It's a, it's a, a faith that's real and a relationship. It's also one that we can grow in and understand. So pursue it. I love that about the Christian faith. But what's interesting here is that Paul does something, I think, differently than what we would experience in the Christian tradition. They're making a mess of the spiritual gifts. If, if, if I was writing, or maybe, or maybe if other church leaders throughout church history were, were writing, I think they would have written a different letter. Because I think what would happen is if there was, if there was reports that they were using the gifts incorrectly, what's happened in church history is they would say, Stop using the gifts! Let's figure it out first, and then let's start again. Paul doesn't do that. He, he, just, he doesn't say stop. He just says, I want you to use them the right way. And I think what's happened in the Christian tradition is that maybe people have seen gifts used incorrectly. Maybe theologically they believe that they've stopped. But what happens is if you stop using the gifts, and then you say, okay, we'll get back to this at some point. What happens is you stop seeing them in practice. And then after a couple decades, a few generations, people say, hey, we, don't see, we read the Bible, we see these things, but we don't see them in our practice. And we make a theology out of an absence of the gifts, but not a theology based on what the word would indicate. And so we do, we, I, I, people like, I've never seen the gifts, so maybe there's something that's changed. Maybe these gifts were only for the apostles. And I don't believe that's nowhere in Scripture. We understanding later in 1 Corinthians 13, I believe it makes it very clear that these gifts are available until Jesus returns. Because until that time, we've got a church to build. We've got a kingdom to advance. We need these gifts to do the things that God's called us to do. So again, the Corinthians needed to be informed because they were, uh, they were using them in, the gifts incorrectly. In a lot of the North American church, we need to be, we, we, he doesn't want us to be uninformed because we are unaware. There's a lot of believers that are unaware that these gifts are even a reality. They maybe have never been talked about in your church tradition. I don't know which faith, which Christian tradition you grew up in. Even, maybe you didn't go to church at all. Maybe you grew up in a charismatic tradition and this is something that was talked about. But I think there's a lot of churches, that they're, a lot of Christians, that they are unaware of the reality of the spiritual gifts. And so they need to be informed of them to hear about them. Or sometimes we need to be in, informed about them because we were just simply uncomfortable with the spiritual gifts. We saw them abused. We saw them used in weird ways. Just because it's supernatural doesn't mean it has to be super weird. Um, I, I love that Pastor Jason created a moment not long ago, where we just paused and we asked, Holy Spirit, would you come and speak to us? That wasn't super weird. 
it was super awesome. Because what we were doing is we are asking the Holy Spirit, would you come and would you use us? That gives space for these gifts to be practiced when we create a space. And so sometimes because we're uncomfortable, but maybe we're more introverted like my brother-in-law Tim, and we're like, I don't know if I want to be speaking in uncontrolled tongues and whatever. And so we would wait, but we need to be informed. What are these gifts? They are available today. How do we use them well? And I love if we had more time and you could read them on yourself. Continue reading in, in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14. So much good teaching on how to walk in these gifts. But Paul wants to instruct us what these gifts are. And so he keeps going. And he says this in verse 4. Now there are a variety of gifts. First thing we want to think about this morning is that there are many gifts. There's many power tools. In my bag this morning, I've got a drill. So if I need to screw something, I can screw it. It has a specific function to do. But there's many gifts. And so if I need, I've got another tool in here. This one's pretty cool. If it was dark, right now it doesn't have a battery, but I've got a flashlight. Super helpful if you want to navigate around in the dark. Can I show you my favorite tool? in the bag. This is my favorite tool in the bag because it's the most dangerous one. And we have this saw. How cool is this? Right? And if I put the battery in, it's going to go and it's going to cut things. There are a variety of tools. There's a variety of gifts that God has given to the church for a purpose. We're going to get to that in a moment. But there are many gifts. In Paul's letter here, he's going to reveal nine gifts. But if we study out scripture, there's probably at least 21. And the, this list here isn't meant to be like, this is the list, no other gifts. No, read in Romans, read in other places. There are other spiritual gifts that are available. Power tools available for the purposes of God. So there are many gifts here. And of here, there's kind of three categories to maybe help us remember what some of these gifts are. Some of these gifts are about knowing some of them about speaking, and some of them are about doing. So let's just quickly look at these gifts. We're thinking about spiritual gifts. Paul actually lists some of them for us. And so I just want to think about some of these gifts. The first one is this, uh, is the gift, uh, the first, the gifts of knowing. There's three of them. There's uh, three kind of types of gifts, knowing, speaking, doing. And then there's three gifts on this list. It's perfect number nine. It's kind of cool. Let's think about this. So of the knowing gifts, first we have the, the gift of wisdom. Someone say wisdom. So the gift of wisdom, this is a unique ability to speak forth the wisdom of God, especially in an important situation. And wisdom's, we're going to think about knowledge in a moment, but wisdom's really about the application of knowledge of what are we supposed to do in this moment? This is a difficult time. We can discover this uh, in the story of, 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 of Stephen in Acts 7 or Paul in Acts 23. You can read that one later. Where they receive a gift of wisdom to guide them in a difficult season. That's a gift that's available, one of the power tools. And it's different from just natural wisdom. We have naturally wise people here. Sometimes we gain wisdom at the same rate we gain gray hairs, right? We have more experience to apply knowledge. But we actually have access to God's wisdom that we can navigate through problems and difficulties not in our own mental capacity, but actually from the wisdom from heaven to help guide us in circumstances. And that's a gift that God gives to his people. When it comes to these, I, these gifts of knowing, there's also the gifts, the word of knowledge. 
that the, first it's a word of wisdom. It's not just knowing, but it's both speaking it as well. The word of wisdom, and then there's the word of knowledge. That's the unique ability to declare knowledge that could have only been revealed supernaturally. As shown, you can look in the story of Jesus in Matthew 17 or Paul in Acts chapter 27. All sorts of examples in scripture. Can I share you one example from, from my life? Now, I want to share a few examples from my, my life. And it's not to say, look at me. Because my hope is if I share examples of the ways that God's used gifts in my life, it's to say if God can use a random guy like me, he can use a random person like you to do incredible things for him. I remember I was doing youth ministry in Vancouver Island and I was praying before one of our services and I had a word of knowledge. God said that over the next two weeks, people are going to get saved. I'm like, that's pretty great. That's kind of the goal in youth ministry. We're reaching a lot of students that don't know Jesus. And so that first week, I finished preaching. We do our, all the things we've been doing. And I say, classic evangelical, close your eyes. And if you're here, if you want to accept Jesus, I want to lead you in your prayer, but put your hand up. Guess what? We'd been doing ministry in Campbell River for years, and there wasn't really many salvations. But that first week, a kid put their hand up. It was amazing. And then we talked with them, gave them a Bible, connected them with the church. It was awesome. And then I'm like, but the word said two weeks. So the next week we get to our youth group night and we do our thing. We play games. Kids, kids eat a bunch of candy. Eventually I preach poorly. And then at the end what happened is I'm like, it was supposed to be two weeks. And so again, we do the classic evangelical thing. Every eye closed, every head bowed. If you want to accept Jesus, put your hand up. Another student put their hand up. It was incredible. And we gave them a Bible, helped them connect to the church, all those kind of things. Then the next week came, and we did our usual thing again. And I, I did the classic evangelical thing. Every high, you know, head bowed, eyes closed. And guess what? No hands went up. How did I know that? I didn't know that personally. But I believe that God gave me a gift to believe, which then was important because otherwise I wouldn't have created the opportunity. So God gave me a word of knowledge to say the next two weeks people are going to get saved. And guess what? People got saved. And now what may have happened is I may have said, oh, that's probably just, you know, my own thoughts. If we wouldn't have created the space, I don't know what would have happened. But it allowed me to say, no, we're going to actually take a moment and let people walk into this one. God can give you knowledge from heaven. Uh, the next one, it comes to these gifts uh, of knowing. First, we, again, the, uh, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, uh, but also of discerning of spirits. Discerning of spirits. Um, discerning of spirits is the ability to tell the difference between true and false doctrine and between what is of the Holy Spirit and what isn't. You can look at the story of Acts, in chapter, Acts chapter 8 with Simon the magician. Uh, and they were able to know that, hey, you're, you want the gifts so that you can make some money. And they knew that. They discerned that. We, the Holy Spirit can help uh, people in the church, give them the gifts so they can decide if things are of the Spirit or they are not. So that's some examples of those gifts of knowing, but there's also the gifts of speaking. The first is prophecy, which, again, Pastor Jason preached last week. I encourage you to listen to the message. Prophecy is one of the ones that I function the most in that I find that I have the most frequency in my life where God will give me something to share to somebody else and it seems to make sense to them and that's really exciting. It's also the one that God has used the most to shape and guide my life, where people have had prayed over me and God has used that gift in other people to be able to guide and direct and build into my own life. One thing I love about 
sharing prophecy, my own experience is this, uh, is that I often will, God will give me something to share, I'll tell it to the person, and then about 20 minutes later, they'll be like, oh, I really loved what you shared with me. And I won't even remember really anything I just said. I've kind of moved on. I'm just, I, I, I'm just here to give, deliver the gift. It wasn't for me anyway, but God can use to that to give to other people that word of prophecy. Again, think about the message last week. Two of the other ones are, are, are tongues, these gifts of speaking. Uh, now, if you're from a Pentecostal background, tongues is really important. And we're going to think about maybe why it should be less emphasized in a moment. But here's the thing. But there's this gift of tongues. And in, oh, this, we could spend a whole week talking about this. Uh, but the gift of tongues, I'll give you a definition here and then we'll think about it, is a personal language of prayer given by God, whereby the believer can communicate with God beyond the limits of knowledge and understanding. In Scripture, we see that kind of tongues, this, this heavenly language where people can speak to God, where they don't, it's unintelligible, but they know that they're communicating to God. We see at Pentecost where people understood those languages. So we see some different variety of tongues but God can actually inspire and give a gift through the words that you say another one of the gifts connected to this one is the interpretation of tongues this one is one I actually miss uh, growing up in a more Pentecostal church sometimes on a Sunday morning someone now, there's some conservative Christians this is going to sound like crazy but literally in a Sunday morning someone would stand up and they would start speaking in tongues gibberish to everybody else then we would wait. This is based on the teachings of Paul in 1 Corinthians. And then someone would have an interpretation, and they would say, this is what I think the Lord was saying through that. And they would interpret. Now that becomes a blessing to everybody because we actually understood what it was. I haven't seen that one practiced in like 20 years. But it's certainly, I believe, a gift that we, hear, it, we see here that could something beneficial for the church. A few more thoughts we have the gifts of knowing, the gifts of speaking, and the gifts of doing. We have the gift of faith. And the gift of faith is different than the faith that we would have for belief. We need faith to believe. But there is this supernatural amount of faith, this unique ability to trust God against all circumstances, just like Peter did when he walked upon the water. And the gift of faith is often expressed in another gift or a miracle that is res results in it that I have a gift to believe for healing, a gift to believe for a miracle, and people walk in that. There's also the gift of healing, one of the gifts of doing, uh, which again, we know this one makes the most sense, is the, uh, this is God's healing power, either given or received, uh, and we can see this throughout the New Testament. And, and this is one that I've seen in my own life. This is not one that I walk in frequently. I've been a pastor for many years. I've prayed for healing for a lot of people. And most often they feel encouraged, but they don't get healed in the moment. But I have seen people healed in the moment. Uh, we were praying for this one girl. Um, that she, her, One of her legs was three inches shorter than the other leg. And so like one of her shoes had to be taller and her pants had to be hemmed because you could, they don't sell pants with different length legs. So her mom had to hem her pants. And it was something that threw her back out, so she had back pain. So we prayed for her. And guess what happened? God grew her leg out. So much so that she had to get rid of the shoes with the three-inch thing. And then her mom had to unhem all of her pants because they no longer fit. Because God had brought healing to her leg. That was, I was just an honor to be part of that. It wasn't me. There's was a few of us who were praying. But we prayed, and we saw God bring a healing. 
And I can hear stories in my life or stories in the lives of people that I've walked with. God still heals today. God still heals today. Uh, the last one we think about that we hear about uh, of Paul as he thinks about the gifts of the Spirit are, is the gift of miracles, so the working of miracles, uh, which again is this, uh, I'll read a definition for us, uh, is literally this kind of act of power. This describes when the Holy Spirit chooses to override the laws of nature uh, 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 and working in or through an available person. Uh, gifts of healing or gifts of working miracle often operate in conjunction as this, with the gift of faith. So again, we can think about miracles that God can do. People walked on water. People are raised from the dead. Demons are cast out. Gifts of miracles that God wants. These are the power tools that God has available for us. <coughs> and sometimes they're big in these amazing moments. And sometimes they're small. Uh, I believe this is a, a miracle from the Lord. We were at a kid's camp one time. Uh, and we were going to have like this... This, this roast dinner, and it was raw. It, they're like, we have an hour before we eat, and the roast is not going to be ready. And so the late, one of the ladies, the cooks, woman of faith, she said, we should pray. And so guess what we did? We prayed. And what doesn't make any sense, the roast fully cooked in an hour, and so we were able to serve these kids an amazing meal. She'd never seen anything she liked it, like it before in her life. The oven wasn't very effective, but God worked a miracle so the kids could eat. And that was a pretty cool thing to say. So God still does miracles today. There are many gifts. There's many options, many power tools that God will want to do. Often these gifts, they work together. So we can, and we read that in our text when we're reading, reading in uh, the book of Acts. Where we read about Paul, he's preaching, preaching with power. And then he sees a man that's lame, and he looks at him intently, this man that's lame. And he sees that he has faith. Is that something you can see with your natural eyes? Well, unless they have a sign that says, I have faith on their chest, most likely it's not his natural eyes. But he saw. God gave him the ability to discern that he has the gift of faith. We see the other gift active. The gentleman himself that's lame had the gift of faith. Paul prayed. And then we see the gift of, of healing that comes as the man gets up. These gifts often work together. Later in Paul, in chapter 12, Paul describes these gifts working together like parts of a body. And sometimes if I move my hand, guess what? My elbow needs to move. My shoulder needs to engage. That often these gifts work together to accomplish the purposes of the Holy Spirit has. There are many gifts, and I think this also indicates the many hands that God wants to use. Last thought when it comes to this idea of there's many gifts is that there's many gifts which represents that there's many hands that God wants to use. That includes you. That all of these gifts that we read about, there are many of them, and we read in our text in 1 Corinthians, it says uh, at the end of verse 6, and God who empowers them all in everyone, that would be, this is written letter to believers, right? So that's every believer. To each, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. That means, if we trust this text, to you, you've received a manifestation for the common good. There is a gift that you have to bring to the church. And I don't believe that means like restrictive, I only have one gift that I can use, but it's up to the Holy Spirit. But there's often a gift that people have really available to them that the Holy Spirit can empower in their life. God wants to use you to distribute his gifts. 
We're kind of like Amazon delivery drivers. He's already ordered it, it's already been shipped, and our job is just simply to bring it to them a good gift. So, we've thought about the many gifts, but when it comes to these many gifts, there is one source. There is one source. There are many gifts that are diverse in their expression, but they're united in their source. It's kind of like these tools. If these tools are going to work, they need... Oh, let's see if I can pull it off. Pastor Jason, come on up here. Let's give him a round of applause. If these tools are going to work, he's going to pull off this battery, squeeze and pull, or should call it my brother-in-law, Tim, who I've referenced third time now this morning. My brother-in-law, Tim, come on camera. Here we go. Let's give him a warm welcome. There are many gifts, but one source. So he's going to pull off that battery, and then now the Holy Spirit needs us something else, another tool to do his work. Now we've got this tool, and it's been empowered to do so. Because there, but there is one source. They all need the same source for them to actually work. Diversity of gifts, but one source. This reminds us that if there's one source, that we're not intended to elevate one gift over the other. They're all gifts that the Holy Spirit can empower. All gifts that he can use. After this, it, later in chapter 12, again, he uses this big picture of a body. We don't, the eye isn't more important than the leg. They're all important. They all need to work together. So we don't elevate certain gifts. This has happened in certain streams of the Christian faith where maybe they elevate something like the gift of tongues. You're a mature believer if you speak in tongues. You're like, I don't know if that's what this actually says. There is one source that empowers them. So we don't need to elevate others. He's the one that chooses and gives them and distributes and empowers them. They're all important gifts that come from him. If there's one source, which is the Holy Spirit, this reminds us that it's, it doesn't rest on us. These are grace gifts. That word for gift is this idea where we get the word similar to grace. It's a grace that we receive not based on our own ability, but God imparting unmerited gifts to us that we can give out. These things don't ultimately rest on us so we can take a deep breath, let it out. It's about the source. He's the one that empowers. It's not how great I am. It's about the Holy Spirit that would empower us to do the work. A couple other things we want to think about this is that because they're gifts, they represent or reflect the giver. The giver who is the Holy Spirit. These gifts are good. These gifts aren't burdens. They're good gifts that God wants to give to bless for the health of his church, for the health of other people, the encouragement of others, the building of others. We can trust that if they come from the giver, that they are good, that they come in love, that when used well, they don't, they don't bring, come, bring chaos. The Holy Spirit doesn't bring chaos. And the, we know that if there's the giver, that he's going to work all these things together because that's what he can do. In this text, it also reveals that the gifts are the manifestation of the Spirit. It says that they're a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. That means that these gifts aren't just like a power, something it, right? Like a package that was delivered. It's actually the Spirit himself flowing through believers. This is huge. That the gift of the Spirit is the Holy Spirit empowering living in believers. The gifts of the Spirit are simply the Holy Spirit flowing out of believers. That's what the gifts are. They're simply the Holy Spirit bringing life and healing and wholeness and encouragement and building. The Holy Spirit himself flowing through 
you and me. Because there's this progression that we talked about a month ago. That the Father gave the Son the Spirit. The Spirit pours the Spirit. The, the Son pours the Spirit on the church. And then now the Holy Spirit flows through us. This is this progression of the Spirit. And when the Spirit flows through us, that's the gifts of the Spirit. Supernatural power, not our own strength that comes. And at Pentecost, which is today, we're celebrating today, the gift is poured out, the Holy Spirit, and immediately the gifts start to flow. We hear about tongues. We hear about spirit-empowered preaching. Salvation comes. It's incredible. When the gift is poured out, the Holy Spirit, immediately the gifts start to come. Our last thought this morning, so we know there's many gifts. There's one source, but there's also one purpose. What's the purpose of these tools? The purpose of these tools, and I know some people are thinking, destruction! You watch those reno shows and you're like, demo day! And everything just gets cut down. I was going to be careful, otherwise we'd have to pray for healing as I cut off my arm. Anyway, um, but they have a purpose, it's to build. They have a purpose to build to put together a house, to restore something, to re renovate. And that's the same with the gifts of the Spirit. The purpose of the gifts is to build. It says in our text in Romans 12 that, that the Holy Spirit empowers all of them uh, for the common good. They're for blessing. They're for building the health of the church. The common good, there's this picture of bringing together. Later on in 1 Corinthians 14, it says again and again and again that the, these gifts are about upbuilding, building up the church. The church might be built for the building up. That God has given us these power tools that we would be able to build his church. That's what the gifts exist for. They don't exist for us to have a Holy Spirit praise party where we just share the gifts and feel really cool and have goosebumps and elevate one another. No, no, no. They're about building his kingdom. And I really believe all of us want to be builders. We all come to church. You are already in some ways building in some ways. Some of us are volunteering by doing lights and sound. Some of us are builders because we give, we show up, we attend, whatever these things. But one of the ways that you build the church is by discovering and moving in the gifts that God has given you. That's, we have the supernatural capacity to build the church as we walk in the gifts that God has given you. And these gifts are to build the church, not to build your own platform. You know, I, maybe I sometimes work in the gift of prophecy. I'm not asking anyone to call me Prophet Ryan. Um, it's not about me having a website with my name on it. I'm not saying that's bad necessarily, but you know what I mean? Sometimes you get a sense that it's not about building the kingdom. It's about building someone's clout. No, these are gifts for every believer to use for the common good of the church. And God has called us because God's called us to build. He's called you to build. He's empowered you to build. And he wants you to use the power tools. Some of you probably think, I, I'm not even trained. I couldn't use the power tools. God wants you to use the power tools. Get trained as you use them. Some of you think, well, that's for the special Christians and pastors. They're not for me. No, God wants you on the tools. You might think, no, I, you know, this, yeah, again, I don't want to be in the spotlight. Let me just serve over there. No, God wants you. He's imparted to you a gift to use that he will empower, that he will, at his will, it's he's the one that directs and does it. But God wants to build through you, to build his church. And we are designed to build together. The goal is that everyone, imagine this, imagine a world, imagine a church where we all came knowing that we've been given a gift to give. This fights the, the North American consumerism mentality of church that says, I go to church to get. 
Now, we do need to receive it, church, right? We need prayer. We need support, all those things. But what if everyone came to church with the idea of, Holy Spirit, what could I give today? And then what if perhaps the Holy Spirit said, hey, I want you to pull up the tools today. Maybe before you came to church, God put someone on your heart, made you believe for healing, maybe a prophetic word, maybe a word of knowledge. Someone's been stuck in a circumstance, and God gives you the, the word. But what happens if a whole church, you've seen a taste of it moments before. We all said, let's pray for one another. And what if in those moments we all realize it wasn't just me praying nice prayers. That's good. But what if it was possible the Holy Spirit might empower me to bring a gift to my brother, to my sister, for the building up of his church, that would be incredible. And then what if we realize that these gifts, even in our context, are for the gathering of believers, aren't limited to the gathering of believers. Acts chapter 14, they were out and about. That what if you believe that when you went to the grocery store, before you went to the grocery store, you could ask, Holy Spirit, is there a gift you want me to give to somebody at the grocery store? Now, again, for radical introverts like my brother-in-law, Tim, that would be terrifying. But the Holy Spirit gives us boldness, Tim, so that you can do it. But what happens if you say the Holy Spirit indicates that he gives you a word to encourage somebody, even in public? You don't have to say, thus says the Lord, and in King James English, tell them something. You can just say, hey, I just saw you, and I thought this. I just want to leave that with you and see what happens. If the Lord's in it, you'll know. How did you know that? These things can happen in our everyday life as we gather to together. Last week, uh, Pastor Jason mentioned this idea, which we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Pursue love and then earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. This Pentecost Sunday, would that be our, our, our an invitation? That we would earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Do we actually want them? A lot of believers, I, I don't want those. I just want to do these things. No, what if in all of us there was this, this zeal, this burning desire, affection for the gifts that the Holy Spirit wants to give through us? We pursue him first, but we do have this invitation to pursue the gifts. And it's actually not just an invitation. In the original language, it's a command. When Paul says earnestly desire, he's not giving us a suggestion. This earnest, this earnest desire is actually a command in the original language. That we would be those that would per passionately pursue the gifts that God has given each of us to be able to use them as the Holy Spirit would to build up the church for the common good. That we would earnestly desire. So what, what would it look like for us to passionately pursue, earnestly desire these spiritually, spiritual gifts that God has? A few thoughts before we close. This is what it might look like to passionately pursue. First, we need to believe the word of God. For us to passionately pursue the spiritual gifts, we actually do need to believe that this is a call and an invitation for all of us to walk in the gifts of God. We start from there. We believe God's word. Some of us, might, that might lead to a repentance. Be like, Holy Spirit, I'm sorry. I've not been pursuing these things. I've been maybe rejecting or just simply accepting that maybe they could happen, but not for me. No, but Holy Spirit, I want to come in alignment with your word, and I want to pursue these gifts that you've given to me to bless others. Then what we can do is we can ask, Holy Spirit, would you give me the gifts? Would you reveal the gift to me? I'd encourage us in the passionate pursuit is that we would study our Bibles. What does the Bible have to say about spiritual gifts? It's not just 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Study the Bible. 
Study the word. Let it transform your thinking and your mind. I'd encourage you to start trying to discover your gifts, and there's lots of ways that we can do that. And I'd encourage you to connect with your pastors. How do we discover our spiritual gifts? One way is through good resources, maybe some books that might be helpful. One of the most important books in my life for this was a book called Surprised by the Power of the Spirit. A professor at Dallas Theological Seminary that believed the gifts of the Spirit had ended with the apostles, but then was radically transformed and now teaches and walks in the reality of the Holy Spirit and powers believers today. Maybe you're here today and you say, oh, we've been thinking a lot about the Holy Spirit, and I'm really passionate, and a book like this would be helpful for me. Would anyone here say that a book like this might be helpful for them? That they'd be interested in a book called Surprised by the Power of the Spirit? Anybody? Well, here you go. There's a book for you. So find good resources that would help you to learn more about the Holy Spirit. Pursue it. The pursuit isn't passive. It's an active thing that we do. Talk with experienced believers. They're here in your church. People that walk in these various gifts. And they'd love to help you, encourage you, share their testimony. We need to passionately pursue the gifts that the Holy Spirit has poured into the church as he pours through us. We need to stay aware that the Holy Spirit is always with us, always speaking to us. And as we walk in the Spirit, when we've learned to recognize his voice, we then can step in when he says, I want you to swing the tools, not swing, but use, you know, use the tools that we would be ready because we're aware that he's walking with us. I encourage us to pursue Jesus. One of the ways that we pursue the gifts is pursue Jesus and love his people. Jesus loves his people so much that he wants to give gifts to you to give to them for that they would be built up in courage. Last thought when it comes to how do we pursue the gifts is risk. Risk. As you start growing in the gifts and your understanding and you sense, I think the Holy Spirit has a word for me for this person. I think it's a prophetic word. Eventually, you know what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to take the risk and you're going to have to tell them. Or maybe you think a sense that God wants you to bring a healing. Eventually, you're going to have to take the risk this is a big risk, trust me. Can I pray for you and pray for healing? But then you trust the Holy Spirit because it's not about you anyway. Eventually, you're going to have to take the risk and give it a shot as you grow in it. One of the ways that we grow in our gifts is by exercising the gifts. And the way that we do that is after we pursue the Lord, studied the word, all these things, eventually we just got to actually take the plunge and walk in the gifts that God has for us. Just like we saw Paul. He out loud told the guy, get up! And guess what? The guy got up. Maybe God wants to do something through you to encourage. Well, not maybe. God definitely wants to do something through you. He's given you a gift. He's given you a gift. He's given you a gift and you a gift and you a gift. And all of you have a gift. And all that gift is simply the Holy Spirit moving in and through you, bringing his life, bringing his healing, bringing his wholeness, bringing his wisdom, bringing his agency, bringing his life through you. He's the one that determines when. He's the one that determines to who. It's he's the one that gets to determine all those things. But he invites us to be part of the building of his kingdom. And he gives us the right tools to do the job because it's that important. We're not left with screwdrivers in our own strength. He's given us the tools, supernatural strength, to be able to accomplish the supernatural task of building his kingdom. Let's pray. So God, we thank you for this morning. God, I thank you that you're here with us. Holy Spirit, we recognize your presence. And especially on a day like today, Pentecost Sunday, 
God, I thank you that, Holy Spirit, you have come to fill your people. You have come to pour in your church, to build your church, to expand your kingdom. And that, Holy Spirit, it's not only your desire and your will to empower each and every believer. God, you've already done it. We already have the gifts. And so, God, would you teach us how to walk in them? Would you teach us how to grow them, how to steward them well, to do them in the ways of love, to do them in the ways of order, ways that reflect you? That these gifts, that we would pursue them, we would grow them, and God, that ultimately you would build your people, build your church, you would build your kingdom through people such as I, as my brothers and sisters in this room and those online. So once again, this Pentecost Sunday, as we remember you empowering the church, we ask that you would empower us. And we pray again, come, Holy Spirit, which you've not only flow in me and fill me, but I ask, Holy Spirit, would you also flow out of me as well for the benefit of others, that they would be built up as well. So God, we thank you. In Jesus' name. Let's just take a moment here and let's just ask the Holy Spirit, if you're one of those who would earnestly desire more of these gifts to be able to walk in them in your life, let's just take a moment and ask the Holy Spirit. Maybe in this moment you'd say, Holy Spirit, I'm sorry. I've been running from these gifts because they make me uncomfortable. Would you repent and turn back to him, trusting in his word? Maybe even this moment, maybe you've already started functioning the gifts, but you've forgotten about it. Maybe this morning you'd say, Holy Spirit, is there a gift you have for me even for this morning? So let's just take a moment and ask the Holy Spirit, speak to the Holy Spirit, and then Pastor Jason will close. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope it encouraged and blessed you in your walk with our Lord Jesus Christ. To keep up with City Collective, make sure to check us out on Instagram and Facebook at City Collective Church. Have a great week.